Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 383. Today is Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. <laughs> I almost said 20, 2004, actually. Anyways, um, I was talking backstage about how it's been 20 years since I've become Christian. I've been saying that a lot. Uh, so it was 2004. Uh, I th- I'm pretty sure I, a lot of people have like the exact date that they gave their life to the Lord. I have a month. So it's March of 20. I almost said 2024, 2004. It's been 20 years. So uh, super. I've been doing a lot of reflection on that and just reflecting my, my time with the Lord and what he's taken me through and um, victories um, I've experienced through walking out my relationship with him. So it's just a great, great time. Great time. Uh, so guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, also guys, make sure to follow us on Spotify, Elijah Fire Podcast. We really appreciate that. Um, that's everything. We got a lot of juicy bits today, you guys. We got we got some tender morsels. I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about Israel. We're going to be talking about the Jewish people and the nation of Israel and their role to play in uh, God's story of hope and redemption for all of mankind, which we're currently walking out. So uh, very excited. And my guest today, he's the founder of the organization, The Israel Story, uh, which exists to do that, to tell that story. Uh, So I'm not going to spare any other time. Uh, I want to jump right into this because my guest is going to be able to explain all this a lot better than I can. So without any further ado, let's give it up for our guest today, John Myers. John Myers, welcome to Elijah Fire. Uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of interesting being loaded. But, yeah, uh, thank you, you for feel loading. Fully me. Loaded? Do you feel fully loaded? Uh, well, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, um, I met you through Chris Keel, who's a friend of the show. He's a dear friend of yours. Uh, and I'm going to embarrass you in front of everybody. He said that you are a national treasure in his eyes. So, uh, uh, I'm sure yes, that feels- I told what. <laughs> You mentioned that to me before, and it yeah. is embarrassing, and I don't think yeah. I can live up to it. But thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> thanks yeah. for doing that, Chris. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris. yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So you've known Chris for quite a while, um, correct? Yeah, I think probably more than ten years. Anyway, yeah. he he was in Israel when I was in Israel. We were there for nineteen years, wow. uh, but I didn't know him then. He became a friend of our son. Uh, Kalev's the whole story in himself. If you guys want to Google Kalev Myers, you'll find a lot out there. Uh, He's doing a lot of uh, really exciting things in Israel. But anyway, they had a connection. Uh, When we moved back to the States, I originally moved back to Colorado. That's where uh, Chris was. And he was doing... He was doing some kind of photographic stuff for a book that Kalev had written, uh, and he wanted me on the cover, uh, and it was sort of a strange situation. So anyway, he was the photographer. I met him then, and then our friendship developed from that. Awesome. Awesome. So you lived in Israel for 19 years. Correct. And you were born, were you born in America? Yeah. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Tell, Tell me, you know, Williamsport, Pennsylvania. What's it famous for? Yeah. It's famous for. In, did you ever watch like little twelve-year-olds playing baseball? Uh huh. Okay. Well, that Little League World Series. Oh, Little League, little league originated in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The no Little way. League World Series is. Yeah, this is very. This should be very important to your guests. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some of the people that love baseball and Little League okay. are going to be like, yes. yes, I knew, I knew. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's great. Um, so, uh, John, you were raised at, you were raised Jewish, correct? Yes, I was. Yeah. But now you've come to know Jesus as Messiah, Yeshua. So why don't you tell people the story of how that happened and how long ago it happened? <laughs> well, it happened 52 years ago. I, I happened to have celebrated my 75th birthday come yesterday. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so, happy so, birthday. So, we were supposed to say happy birthday. So happy birthday, yeah. John. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. Well, that's, you know, again, I, I, I mentioned this when we talked before we're on air, uh, that brevity is not my gift, you know, mm -hmm. so I could tell you my story and it would take all the rest of our time. So mm -hmm. I'll try to just give you a little bit of it. Please interrupt me, ask yeah. questions. Don't let me just go, go on. But yeah, okay. So, so I was raised as a Reformed Jew, which means that, you know, there's a continuum within Judaism and it depends on how much of the law you keep and you kind of decide yourself. And so, you know, on the more liberal end, you have Reconstructionist Jews and Reformed Jews. And then on the other end, you have Orthodox Jews and uh, what they call in Israel Haredim or Hasidic Jews here who are, you know, the black hats and they look like they're Amish or whatever. Okay, so Reform, Judaism wasn't a really important part of my life. I was bar mitzvahed and, and obviously I didn't believe in Jesus at that point. And then, you know, I grew up, I, I came to age in the 1960s. Now, you know, that's back in your grandparents' days, so I don't expect you to know a whole lot. Um, but 1960s, you know, things were shaking. You know, that's a period of time of the Vietnam War. Uh, really, the foundations of society were shaking. You had JFK, the president of the United States, was assassinated. Martin Luther King was assassinated. Robert Kennedy, who had been attorney general under his brother, uh, John Kennedy, was running for uh, the uh, Democratic nomination for president. He was he was killed. Uh, you know, the Black Panthers uh, uh, arose during that time. Free love, which wasn't free, as we all know, but nevertheless, uh, you know, took place. And so so and that's the direction I went. Um, you do know what a hippie is, don't you? Of course, I, mean, I know what a hippie is. Yeah. And your cultural, like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was a hippie. If you look now, there's not much up there. But but back in those days, I had this beautiful, you know, Jewish curly hair, you know, halfway down my back, etc. And led led an extremely ungodly life. Um, you know, I, I, I break mankind basically down into two categories, good and bad sinners. You know, this is before we become believers in Yeshua. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so, you know, you talk to a good sinner and you just say, how are things with you and God? And they'll say, well, you know, I'm a good person. I do mostly good things, not so many bad mm -hmm. things. So I assume everything's good with God. And when I die, something good will happen. Uh, and bad sinners, uh, know they're, know they're sinners. And so, you know, that was basically my occupation and preoccupation, you know, from when I got up in the morning to when I went to bed at night was sinning. And I, um, you know, I, I was a substance abuser at that time, alcohol and drugs. I was a people abuser, exceptionally immoral. Uh, and, uh, and really my life was headed in the wrong direction. Uh, and, um, and during, during this period of time, now we're talking, I, I became a believer when I was 22. Um, that was during the Jesus people revolution, you know, uh, and uh, it was a powerful time. A anyway, the, 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 this was an amazing time. They consider it to be the greatest enlightenment, you know, in American history yeah. uh, and so many people uh, coming to faith. And so at that time, my wife, who was not my wife at, at this particular time, owned a health food store in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And I used to hang out there and these Jesus people would come in and tell us about Jesus. And I was initially extremely 
hostile to the gospel uh, for three main reasons. One, I'm Jewish, you know, so don't tell me about Jesus. Uh, two, I also thought I was very enlightened. You know, I was, I almost became a yoga monk and, you know, there are many ways to God, you know, there's a Buddhist way and the Hindu way and the Muslim way and the whatever way, and we'll all end up in the same place someday. And so, so um, you know, Christianity or the gospel seems so dogmatic to you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I said, man, that is so close-minded. I mean, and then the third, so, so you know, number one, I'm Jewish, don't tell me. Number two, you know, this is close-minded and dogmatic, and I'm much more enlightened than that. And, and number three, I thought the gospel was really stupid. You know, I mean, you're telling me, now, don't get offended. We'll, we'll work our uh, way through this. But, no, you're you, good. Know, you, you know, yeah, all right. So, so, but I just thought, what? Some guy lived 2,000 years ago and he died, and that has some relevance to my life today. Mm-hmm. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's interesting because God used that in my life that, that actually the, the New Testament says that the gospel is, it doesn't use the word stupid, uh, but it says foolish. It, it says in First Corinthians chapter one that you know when man in all of his wisdom knew not God, God in His wisdom chose the foolishness of preaching right. to save those who believed. The, mm-hmm. the Jews, you know, seek after a sign. Jesus, the, the Greeks, wisdom. We preach Christ crucified. And I looked and I said, man, I mean, <laughs> you got me there because you know even you say this is a foolish message, and and it is in the sense. That, you know, when it says you have to become like a little child to enter into the kingdom, mm-hmm. that that's true. I mean, this, you don't have to be a theologian to understand this story. It's the most beautiful story there is, but it's also a very simple story. You can go out to a grass hut in, you know, deepest Africa and somebody that's illiterate, and they can understand this story in a way that will transform their lives. Mm-hmm. I told you, I, I, I'm not short-winded. So that was just, that's kind of the introduction. So anyway, hostile to the gospel. Uh, but my wife and I, at this, she wasn't a believer at that point. We, I guess this was like an anthropological, you know, experiment. We just decided to go to one of these Jesus people meetings. Yes, yeah. one people, thing, I have to anything. say, yeah. I, well, I hated what they were saying to me, but something in the people was really drawing me. Interesting. I, I just believe it was the pre- it was the presence of God. It was it the Holy been, Spirit, yeah. the love the love of God, and so I was attracted to them, but I didn't like what they had to say. So anyway, we we went to this service, and it was really I mean it was weird for me. I mean especially being Jewish, etc. But people would come up to me and give men you know would come up to me and hug me and say praise the Lord, brother, and you know and the the you know the worship was you know very dynamic, etc. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, they, we we came back from that and and. My wife and I had this conversation. I told you we're hippies. So we had this, this swing drilled into an archway in our living room. And we took turns swinging. And it, it was the Holy Spirit conviction that I didn't know it at the time. And we started talking about a relationship because we had been living together at that point unmarried. And we just, and I had no reason, no ethical or moral reason to do this. But we just started talking. So I think, you know, we need to take responsibility for this relationship. Wow. And so this was my, this was my very romantic proposal. I mm-hmm. said to my wife, now she's my wife, wasn't my wife. I said to her, listen, Daryl, I'll marry you. But if we don't do it right away, I'm backing out. That was my proposal. So you have to sort of question my yeah. wife. Yeah, wasn't it? Well, if you don't believe in miracles, you should, because 52 years later, we're still yeah, deeply in love with each other and, so, and married. So that's God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you know, we had that conversation. So we, we decided on a Sunday to get married. We got married on Tuesday. And the reason I'm even talking about marriage in this is that 
the people who knew us said, this isn't going to last a month. You know, these are two of the most screwed up, you know, emotionally, you know, messed up people that we know. And we, we almost didn't make it past two weeks. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I did an extremely stupid thing, but I, but for, for time and also my reputation, I'll skip that. But, <laughs> okay. but, but, but I did a really horrible thing. We had this big blow up. My wife was really distraught. She didn't know what to do. She went over to a house of these young Jesus people, women. It's called the house of Ruth. But, and and this uh, ex-hippie named Star, um, she waited for her there. Star walked in. Uh, Star said, what are you doing here? To my wife. And my wife said, I've been married for two weeks, and it's just terrible. And 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 Star, this is what it was like in Jesus' people days. Star just said to her, don't worry about it. Jesus brought you here. Just repeat after me. And she led her in a sinner's prayer. Now, I mean, no, yeah, seriously. Now, 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 you think about it. We think we have to take people Genesis to Revelation. But, I mean, that was it. Daryl came back uh, to me and said, well, I just got what those people call being saved. And, and my response was, well, I wonder if that is going to you know, demand anything of me. And so that was the beginning of all of this. Uh, and no doubt people were praying for me. And over the next several months, God just started dealing in my life. And I really came to the Lord too through two supernatural experiences, which is not uncommon, by the way, for people that have a lot of things up here that are barriers to them believing mm. in Yeshua. I call him Yeshua. It's Jesus. Hebrew yeah. name. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, that's very true of Muslims. It's very true of Jews. The Lord just bypasses all of that and touches you. Mm. So have I piqued your interest in no, you absolutely supernatural have. events? Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you want to tell? Well, you I want you to be this? part of this conversation. No, yeah. please do. I want no, you I'm to loving ask this. me. No, honestly, John, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving this. I think this is great. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that I've noticed too, just in, in people who maybe were part of the Jewish faith or were part of the Muslim faith who are like, they say what you just said, where there's a lot of, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I've heard a lot of them like, we like to argue. We like to uh, you know, and, and so, you know, have these intellectual sparring matches or, you know, come at it from that level. Um, and, and so I've, I've heard from a lot of people that it just, God kind of bypasses through all of those to have these supernatural encounters that they can't quantify because they're like, well, hang on my understanding of all this. And it just conflicts with everything that their mind has, yeah, so please tell. It's, well, you know, it's, it says we have to believe in our hearts, yeah. you know, and that's different than believing in your head. Right. And the Lord has a way of accessing our hearts, you know, that bypasses our head. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, it, okay, so during this period of time, uh, the first dream I had, it's very interesting, and I don't remember the exact verses in Jeremiah 16, but it talks about God calling the Jewish people. And it says that he's going to send the fishermen and he's going to send the hunters and hunt them out from, you know, underneath the rocks of the mountains and so on. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's where the Lord found me. Anyway, what I'd like to tell people, and you'll understand this when I'm done, is that if the Lord sends the fishermen after you, um, I recommend responding then, you know, if he's trying to get your attention, because yeah. the fishermen will, you know, they'll throw out the bait and, and you know, the, they, they will gently reel you into the will of God. Mm-hmm. Um, the hunters will come, they'll shoot, the, shoot you, put you over their backs and carry you into the will of God. So <laughs> take your pick. Uh, anyway, so the, the first stream... Yeah, the first, exactly. The, the first dream uh, was the fisher. Uh, and in the dream, again, you know, I knew nothing, obviously, about about Jesus or any, I didn't actually, even though my life touched a lot of the dark side of the spiritual world, I didn't really know that there was a reality of the spiritual world, which we'll get to that. 
So in this dream, uh, I was in a huge space, like universally huge, and uh, and a and and. It was filled with, at that time, this is hippie language, I, I would have called, uh, you know, filled with energy. But, but today, I'd say the glory of God. It was radiating life. And a very deep masculine voice spoke to me and said, you need to make your relationship with Jesus right. Um, something like that. It was, or your relationship with Jesus is not right. You need to make it right. And I woke up like, you know, smack out of that. Now, I don't have a vocabulary to explain to you really what that was like. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, an earthly vocabulary isn't adequate, but I, you know, I'm 75, you know, I have dreams every night, but these two dreams are different than anything I've ever had ever. It was so powerful, wow. but I'm a stiff neck, hard headed Jew. And so on top of that, I didn't know what to do, you know? So, okay, I need to make my relationship with Jesus right. But I, so, you know, today, if you hear his voice, hard, not your heart. Well, I did. And so the next day that had less effect the next day and less day. And then of I lost yeah. it. it. didn't have any effect. Then about maybe a month later, I had another dream. And this is how I became a believer. Um, and so in this next dream, uh, I was in actually uh, on the a, a porch in my parents' house. They had a screened-in porch where they used to have parties. Uh, and so I was in a cocktail party uh, in this dream, uh, in this area of my parents' house. And I was holding a drink, an alcoholic drink in my hand. I was standing in the middle of the room. And in the corner of the room, you know, maybe five, six feet from me, there was a woman on a chaise lounge. I, I guess that's what you call it. But you know those things you sit on to get a tan and they go click, click, click. Oh, back, yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, so she's back and she's leaning sort of back. But she is absolutely beautiful. I told you I had a major problem with immorality and that was really the biggest problem back in those days. And so she's absolutely beautiful, but not just, not just beautiful, but, but very sensuous, you mm -hmm. know, very sexual, let's say. Mm -hmm. And she's looking right in my eyes. And as she is, she begins to sort of sway back and forth in, in this sort of seductive way, which I can't do at 75 and look yeah. very seductive. But anyway, uh, yeah, so, 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 so anyway, she's, she's swaying back and forth. And in the dream, I, I, I didn't start walking towards her. I started being drawn across the floor uh -huh. towards her. I got halfway uh -huh. to her and I said, no. Now, when I did that, this is, you know, I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. So this is absolutely what happened. I, I said, no, and, and, you know, sort of clenched my side and, so, and I woke up and I'm wide awake. And probably, you know, four feet from where I was, there was a window. And in that window was the most ugly face of like an old hag, you know, wow. like the face of a witch. Wow. And the whole house filled with a kind of evil laughter. Whoa. I was so scared. I clenched my sides. You know, I... I I shut my eyes, went open my eyes for like half an hour. I never experienced anything like wow. this. I mean, I had in, in my drug days, LSD, all that bad stuff, you know, I was around people to practice witchcraft, although I never did, but I just didn't know the reality of that world. And it scared me so much. Hmm. Uh, and by the way, let me just, let's take an aside for a second, tell you what I believe I saw. And we'll get to Israel eventually, hopefully. Yeah. You know, you might have to make this a two-hour podcast. Instead. Yeah. Hey, man, no, I got time. No, I got time. Yeah, no, no. So, yeah, no. Anyway, so but Proverbs chapter seven. If you read it, 
it talks about this, you know, very, very aggressive woman who goes out on the street and it says that she looks around and she finds this young, foolish young man. Yes. And she goes up to him and she kisses him, you know, and, and says, come, you know, my husband's away on a business trip, you know, come, let us take our fill of love. You know, I perfumed my bed, you know, with the spices of Egypt and so on and so forth, you know, and it said this foolish young man followed her and he didn't understand that her door, you know, led to the, 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 the steps to, to hell and death, basically. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And I believe what you're that's talking about is really the spirit of lust. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that promises this great fulfillment uh, and in the end is so destructive. And uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm I'm totally in favor of sex. You know, with, within marriage, uh, with, you know, it's wonderful. God created it; it's yeah. good. Uh, but in the wrong context, it destroys people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's what it is. So so anyway, back to the story. So I I was so scared. You know, I had basically said I'm never going back to that that church again, et cetera. I went back to that this church. Now, this was a Jesus people church, you know, with a little storefront with a potbelly stove and so on. Mm-hmm. And I, I walked into this meeting and they're having what they call a testimony service. So, you know, people are getting up and these are the salt of the earth, farmers and whatever. And, you know, my son fell off the back of the tractor and broke his arm and I prayed for him and God healed it. And someone else, I couldn't pay my bills. And I went out to the mailbox and they're five $100 bills. Anyway, you know, telling these great stories. Mm-hmm. And I got up in the middle of this I don't know what I said. I mean, I, I, mean, obviously, I, I had no idea what I was talking about. The pastor who became a good friend of mine later said, we had no idea what to do with you. I mean, I just started, you know, talking about this and God says, believe in your heart. I don't know where my heart is, blah, blah, blah. So they called me up to the front of that church and the pastor and the elders laid hands on me. And uh, I, I believe probably I was delivered, you know, uh, from a lot of bad stuff at that point. You know, I, it was like, I mean, I, 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 without exaggeration, I felt like I could see a blue sky for the first time in my mm. life. It's like the lights came on and I looked out at the people there and I had a love in my heart for them uh, that I never had before. Next day, they took me out in the farmer's pond and baptized me. I came out of the water, lifted up my hands and began glorifying God. Uh, and because I you know, had such a godly character before this, you know, everything after that was easy. Oh, I'm sure that it was. was. A joke. Yes. That, that's a joke. Yeah, no, no, that was a joke. No, 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 no. Anyway, but that that was the beginning of of 52 years of walking. With wow, wow. So, what was the dynamic then? I'm curious, John. You having been raised Jew, obviously, you weren't really following. You know, you weren't necessarily practicing Jew, correct? Before you, no, I, yeah. yeah. Well, it depends. You know, you know we practice differently. Jews sure. are very okay, good so at deciding what scale. parts you want to do and what parts you don't want to do. But I was definitely on the lesser practicing side of Judaism, no question about it. So, how did that get introduced into your family dynamic? Um, you know, and maybe your friends who might have been Jewish. I don't know what was that like, and how did you walk that? I'm really curious because, like, that's that's. Huge. Well, my my mother was about to take her life. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, it, it didn't go over real well uh, at first. No, seriously. I mean, you know, this. I just well, first of all, you understand one of the things about Jewish mothers they're very, very good at at uh, at guilt. Okay. Great motivating factor. I, I shouldn't speak for all Jewish mothers. Uh, I probably shouldn't even speak that way about my mother. But there's a stigma. Yeah, there's but a... 
John, you have destroyed my life. <laughs> my life is not worth living anymore. Oh, you know? Don't tell anybody. And of course, at that point, I was a Jesus people person. So I told everybody, you know, uh, anybody that gave me about five seconds of their time. So that didn't work so well. So that fortunately, though, um, you know, we have six children and uh, and Jewish mothers love their, their children, but they probably love their grandchildren even more. So my mother couldn't entirely reject me at that mm -hmm. point because mm -hmm. then she would lose contact with our children so worked out anyway and eventually when we were living in israel my mother actually came there for the first time when she was 90 years old uh, to come to our son kalev's um, marriage which is was in a messianic jewish context wow. uh, and she and she was blessed you know so um so that story you know there are a lot of years in between that mm -hmm. those two events yeah i would imagine things got a little rocky though uh, well, they were initially, but probably what you want to ask me, and I think you were beginning to ask me if I can help you out here, Please, uh, is that uh, is like, well, how, well, then how did the Jewish thing get into this story? You're a Jew. You believe in Jesus. Yeah, that actually then, was going to be my know, next and, question. And, so. Well, go ahead and ask it. Yeah, well, I'll I'm just quiet. curious what it was like. Maybe I'm starting maybe a little bit further back than you were going to start, but when did you start? How well did you know the Jewish Bible? And then from there as you became a believer in Yeshua, starting to see the through line of the story that God was weaving, because obviously now, I mean, you, the, the, the Israel story is, is, I would say maybe the culmination of your life's work and educating people about oh, yeah. Israel and, and you do an incredibly good job, but I'm just curious where that spark happened. And then you beginning to see, oh my goodness, Jesus is the Messiah and seeing it all over the place in what we call the Old Testament. Okay. Well, again, remember, I, I, I wasn't a great reader, you know, uh, uh, of, or consumer of the Old Testament before, you know, or what we call the Hebrew scriptures, but before I became a believer in Yeshua. I, one of the things, when I became a believer, I just voraciously read scripture. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just, that's just part. And I think it's just part, God works in different people's lives. And because I became a teacher, I think that was just part of that. Uh, I remember my wife's parents thinking that's all he does, you know, is, is read his Bible uh, at that point. Um, but anyway, but, but the Jew Jewish part of it, it really came later, you know, and, and um, the, we were part of a local congregation initially again in central Pennsylvania and they, are you familiar with terms replacement theology? And all, I am actually, is? and I actually just found out about it through Chris. I had no idea. Okay. I guess maybe the churches I grew up in, I was blessed to not have replacement theology be a part of our congregation, which I guess is good, but why don't you tell people what it is? Um, well, and this is this is a great oversimplification, but basically, and it's also called supersessionism. That's the theological term for it. But basically, what it teaches is that because of the Jews' failures, uh, and the greatest one, the failure of the majority of our people, fortunately not all, the majority of our people, failure to recognize Jesus as our Messiah, that God no longer has a plan, purpose, or destiny for the Jewish people, and the church has, in essence, replaced superseded 
the Jews as the people of God. And so, you know, the covenant, for instance, that God made with Abraham, which was the gift of the land, is no longer, you know, valid today, which is kind of a crazy thing when you think about it, because it, the scripture refers to it as an everlasting covenant. It was a blood covenant. Uh, it, it was a covenant that didn't require anything of Abraham. It wasn't like the law. God didn't say to Abraham, if you're good, you get the land. He, Abraham just says, how do I know I'm going to get it? And God said, this is how you're going to know. I'm going to make this covenant with you. But so all of those promises are no longer valid anymore. You know, uh, the Jews being back in Israel after 2,000 years of dispersion is the greatest coincidence, quote unquote, uh, in human history. But it's not a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Mm -hmm. We can go on and on and on. Anyway, and by the way, you know, like you say, you weren't raised in that. Part of that kind of understanding uh, doesn't just come by commission. Typically in many churches, it's not like the pastor stands up and says, this church, we believe in replacement theology. And oh, then yeah. they espouse those things. It comes by omission. Yeah. It's the, the things that we teach in the Israel story or that are biblical things, they're not taught. Uh, and and so, so a lot of people sort of have if you, you, we won't even call it a, a, a theology, you know, um, or a, a faith base, but their thinking is kind of like that because they've never really heard or understood. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Story. Anyway, but just to, very simply, uh, so so I'm part of this church. Uh, they're, they're not replacing theology. Same thing, though. They never talked about Israel. I uh, never had this understanding. And by the way, the Lord took me from being a hippie. Uh, and more or less a derelict, you know, uh, and in 10 years, uh, took me on a journey and I became a local bank president. And so now, you know, I had to support these six kids. And, you know, so, so at this point, we're living in a beautiful home up on a mountaintop uh, and uh, in central Pennsylvania. And the Lord at that point, after all this told me, and I really felt, spoke to me to, to resign from my job, you know, from the board of directors and as president of the bank. Uh, and but he didn't tell me what to do, you know, so I just went to the leaders of this church and the elders and so on, hoping and saying, look, this is what I feel like God is saying, obviously prayed with our family as well. And, and I said, please tell me it's not God, you know, tell me to, to get behind me. Uh, and they, they all said, John, we really feel like this is God. But I didn't know what God was calling me to do at that point. And I had no connection to Israel. I'd never been there. I didn't even want to visit. You wow. know, so yeah. And so anyway, uh, I, I, we prayed and I did that. I, you can picture this scene, you know, I'm in a boardroom with all these white haired pillars of society and I'm saying to them, I'm going to resign from my job on, you know, the, the, on the board of directors and as president of the bank. And they would say to me, well, what are you planning to do? And I would have to say, well, I'm not sure. I, I just feel like this is what God wants. They're me like, to do. John's lost it. He's well, he's they, yeah, they probably look at me and say, we trusted this guy with our money. You kidding? You yeah. kidding me? Uh, but, but anyway, so, so over the next four months, the Lord revealed that uh, he wanted us to immigrate to Israel because I'm Jewish. Um, you know, we can become citizens of Israel, to immigrate to Israel uh, and to establish a congregation there. Uh, and so uh, that's what happened. You know, we ended up uh, living in Jerusalem and I'm, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but moved there with five or six children because our oldest daughter, uh, Lydia, was married with her own family. She's now living in Israel, but she didn't come initially. And that's what we did. Uh, we founded a congregation there. And it was through being in Israel 
being in the scriptures, being in the, the body of Messiah there. I mean, you know, Israel today, it depends on who you're talking to, but there are over 200 congregations of Jews, Israeli Jews who believe in Jesus. There, there are now probably 15 to 20,000 Messianic Jews in Israel, which is, you know, smaller than mega churches in the United States. But by, by, by Israel standards, that's revival. It's an amazing, we're living in an amazing time, uh, but I need more time to, to, to talk about that. So, so yeah. that's, that's when this word was birthed in my heart, both in scripture, but also in practice. I was watching this unfold before my eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality that the Jews are back in Israel, think about it. You know, Ezekiel prophesied that it would happen, that God would disperse us out of the land because of our sins, but a day would come and he would regather us back to the land. You know, no people, you know, who had been driven out of their land like the Jews were, you know, 2,000 years ago, they didn't come back, you know, after 50, 100, you know, 200, 500 years, 2,000 years. Yeah. You know, and this nation of Israel that didn't exist now becomes a nation again. And today, back when Israel, I think when when Israel was founded as a nation, I don't know, maybe there are 100,000 Jews. Now, half of the Jews in the world are living back in Israel. That's as big a biblical, you know, miracle as anything in the Bible. So to live in the middle of that and experience that is what took both what what's in God's word and 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 then experience just planted that deeply in my heart. So it was a gradual process then of you. Yeah, I mean, because you said you didn't really have a desire to go to Israel. Um, maybe that's not entirely true, but you know, that, that's what it sounds. No, like it's pretty you, true. Okay. Yeah. So how how gradual was that process of you getting a genuine love for this nation of? of your people like how long did that process take yeah I, I don't know how to explain that to you i mean okay. it, it just took place over time and yeah. it, what's interesting by the way in the story is that my wife who's not jewish um when we were new believers got a hold of a book by derek prince so you, i don't know if you're familiar with derek prince but anyway he's a very good bible teacher uh it's called appointment in jerusalem and uh and she read it and actually it, he wrote that book about his wife um lydia uh, I think she had come from Denmark. God, God called her to Israel and she started adopting orphans there and so on and so forth. It's a whole story with that. But he wanted to tell her story. And she said, the only way I'm going to let you write the book is in the, the end of the book, you will, will tell what you believe is God's plan and purpose for, for Jerusalem in the latter days. And so the epilogue of that book, Appointment in Jerusalem, is Derek Prince basically giving a commentary on the book of Zechariah. So my wife read this. And my wife is like a woman of prayer and a woman of the heart. And this is back. Now, we're, we're believers a couple of years. And God just broke her heart. Mm-hmm. And she wept for several hours. And she asked God, you know, to take her to Jerusalem. The Lord told her he would. So it was many, many years later after that. And let me just add one other story to that. And that is, so this is my wife praying. This is how I ended up in Israel, by the way. So this is my wife praying. She never bugged me about, you know, she mentioned to me once and I laughed and that was it. On the other side of the world, there was a young Messianic Jewish girl. Um, She's actually a fourth generation Israeli Jewish believer in Jesus who was very serious with the Lord even as a child. When she was like 11 or 12 years old, she used to go out on the hillside in the Judean hills and pray when the day would come for her to have a partner in life. In other words, her husband, show her who that man would be. 
Well, that little girl at this point happens to be married to our son, Caleb. Wow. Uh, and so for that prayer, and she used to fast and pray one, one day a week like that. For that prayer to be answered, Kalev had to be in Israel. God spoke to my wife. She had to be in Israel. So, you know, I had no choice. You know, I mean, <laughs> so the Lord just, you know, sovereignly. So anyway, but, but to answer your question, which I didn't really answer, it was really over a period of time that God placed this word on my heart. And it's burning there now. I, mm -hmm. I feel like, I, I feel like um, it's one of the most important things for believers to understand in our day so that we don't really miss something. You know, to, if we love God, the greatest command, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love someone means to care about what that person cares about. And, and this is something that God is deeply engaged in and deeply cares about. And that's why I think it's so critical is because we love him yeah. that we as believers understand this reality and what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great segue, John, because um, in your, you sent a little bio and it says worldwide anti-Semitism is at the highest level since the Holocaust. Support for Israel among young evangelicals has dropped from 75% to 34% over the last three years. And that's a significant right. drop. What would you attribute to that? I guess maybe in the physical, you could say, oh, Satan, Satan's agenda, you know, but how is that manifesting in the physical? And why is it important for us as evangelicals, as Christians, to have a different view of Israel than maybe the world is trying to force feed us into? Yeah, that's, those, those are, are great questions. Yeah. I, I think that one thing, and again, you said, okay, you know, the spiritual dynamic. Well, let's start there for a second, okay. though, because we, yeah. we, need, we, need, we need to understand, um, you know, again, anti-Semitism at this point, worldwide anti-Semitism is at its highest levels since we've seen, since the Holocaust. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, again, uh, this is not just affecting the world in the sense of those who don't have faith in Yeshua, but this is also affecting the church uh, to a very great degree. I, I really believe it. what you see uh, in Israel today, obviously Israel is in a very, very serious war today. What you're the natural, I believe, is taking place in the spiritual as well. I mean, ever the Jews have been fighting, you know, to survive ever since they've been back in the land. Yeah. Uh, but there is a whole spiritual dynamic to that, uh, and and the reason is it, it the thing that people don't understand. So let, let me say it this way: I, I would say that anti-Semitism, at its very root, is really a hatred of God, uh, and and that's. Uh. Uh, and and because this story, if you understand the Israel story, what, what I teach is that we call it the Israel story. But 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 if you understand the Israel story, the central character in the Israel story is not the Jews; it's God Himself. You know, God is the one. I mean, He's the one that that initiated this story. You know, with, with the call of Abram, uh, He's the one that perpetuates it. He's the one that's going to bring it to its conclusion. Your faith, your faith in Jesus, it, it's part of of the Israel story. It's a Jewish story. I mean, that's Romans 11, you know, the, the, the olive tree, which we, we can talk about as a very, very important dynamic. Your Messiah, you know, your savior is a Jew. 
-hmm. He lived as a Jew his entire life. He lived in, in the nation of Israel. You know, he, he was he was crucified in, in Jerusalem. He rose from the dead, you know, in Jerusalem. He's returning back uh, to reign, and, and to reign uh, you know, from David's throne in Jerusalem. This, this story is the story of your salvation. And the thing that's on the line about the Israel story it's not the reputation of the Jews. You know, this God chooses this guy out of nowhere. You know, Abraham, you know, Ur of the Chaldees, mm -hmm. they, they were they were polytheists, you know, and they were heathens. They didn't he didn't know anything about it. God right. think about it. Yeah. God comes out of nowhere. Think about what the and he says to him, I want you to leave your country and your father's house. Abraham doesn't know who this is, you know, to tell him to leave it. So, I mean, right. this is out of okay. this, this is out of the blue, you yeah. know. I mean, think that's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, he 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 brings him to the land. He he promises to give him this land. Abraham wants to be assured of that. God makes his covenant with him and promises to give him the land. Then, you know, he goes on and God gives his oath. Uh, 47 times in the Old Testament says God God swore that he's going to give the land to Abraham. You, you go through this whole, and his descendants, you go through this whole story. The story of the Jewish people isn't very complimentary to us. <laughs> you know, no, think about it. You know, I mean, it's it's our failures all the way through the whole story. God calls us, but, you know, we fail to go into the land. Um, we send in spies. You know, they come back with a bad report. We wander for 40 years in the wilderness. We go into we go into to the, the land finally and conquer it. We serve God for a while. We give ourselves over to sin. He gives us into the hands of our enemies. We cry out to God. He delivers us. That happens time and time and time and time again. And then finally, when the Messiah comes, the majority of us don't believe in it. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Uh, you know, and 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 so and and as a result of our sin when we're in the land, he kicks us out, you know, for two thousand years. But he said, and this is what's so amazing. He he said, well, you know what? Can I read something to you? Is Please. That, is, do we got this? Okay. No, Let me just do this because. Okay. Um, I'm drawing my glasses here. Um, this is it. And and then we'll come down to what I'm going to answer your question. Believe it yeah, or not. No, but, this, I, but this I'm is, loving this. I'm this, loving is this, this is at the heart of this because this is the time we're in now. Okay. And we need to understand what God is doing. So first, let me just read a few verses of God kicking us out of the land. This is Ezekiel 36, and verses 16 through 19. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman and her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land for their idols with which they defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations. This is, I live in Cincinnati right now. Okay, there's a big Jewish population here. This is how we got here. We had a land. We were a people in a certain place, but we sinned and God scattered us all over the face of the earth. Okay, so I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. And then it goes on to say, when they came to the nations, talk about not a compliment. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. So on top of us getting kicked out of the land that God gave us because of our sin, then everywhere we went, we dishonored God. Now, I, I usually stop at this point and I say to people, okay, well, what did we do? 
you know, what do you think we did? You know, I mean, that's bad. You know, that, that's right. not a compliment. You know, yes. I mean, you know, you know, and what did we do that was so bad? And I love to get a long list. So people say, well, you know, idolatry and intermarriage and greed and, and not believing in Jesus. I mean, uh, whatever, you know, and, and that's the most important point. But that, but the rest of the sentences, and this is, we're kind of getting to the punchline. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord and yet they've gone out of his land. So the point oh. is that this dishonored God. We never deserved anything from God. The Jews are no better than anybody else. The Jews are no better than the Palestinians. We, you know, the land doesn't belong to the Jewish people because we're better than any other people group. But God, God put his finger down on the globe. And he said, and in that land, and he said, I'm God. And, and he sovereignly chose the people and he gave that people that land. Yeah. And he gave it by his promise. He gave it by his covenant. He gave it by his oath. So when we're not in the land that God promised to us, whose reputation does, does that reflect upon? Yeah. Not us. We didn't deserve God. anything to, to begin with. On God. So listen to this. This is what he's going to do about it. And he says, he said, but I had concern, this is verse 29, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations. He's not going to let us forget that. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I don't do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake which you profaned among the nations, and I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you profane in their midst, and the nations shall know that I'm the Lord, says the Lord, when I'm hallowed in you before their eyes. Whoa. Now, so we know, you know, angels rejoice when one person comes to know that Jesus is the Lord. But, but the Lord is saying that when God is honored in the Jewish people before the eyes of the nations, not just individuals, but nations are going to know that he's the Lord. This is what's happening. This is the beginning of this coming to pa pass in the nation of Israel today. This is what's happening. Whoa. It's God glorifying his name. And he goes on to say how he's going to do it. For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Whoa. That is the physical restoration of Israel. Yeah. That's God bringing the Jewish people. I'm trying to help you by being the center of this thing, and I keep getting out of it. So <laughs> yeah, I forgive, it's okay. for, just, forgive yeah. me. I'm used to walking when I talk, so yeah. I'm, I'm, in I'm this standing chair. right now, actually. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, anyway, you're better off. That's yeah. better for your posture. <laughs> so, so, but okay. So, so you know. So the first thing he's going to do is restore our people's land. That's the physical restoration of Israel. But God is not just bringing our people back to, to restore us to a certain piece of real, real estate. He goes on and he says, then, and this is after he brings us back, then I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land I gave your fathers and you'll be my people and I will be your God. Now that is the spiritual restoration of Israel. That's the salvation of the Jewish people that is only going to come by him removing the veil that's before our eyes, revealing to us that Jesus is our Messiah. And that's what's written about in Romans chapter 11. And that's what he wants the church to understand. And this is Romans 11.25 says, you know, brethren, I would not have you be ignorant of this mystery 
lest you be wise in your own opinion, which is speaking of pride, that hardening in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, which has happened over the last 2,000 years, and so all Israel will be saved. So even in the New Testament, the Lord is saying to us, I want you to be aware of this. There is going to come a day when all Israel is saved. And the beauty of this story, and it relates to all of us, you know, the Israel story is like a microcosm of the story of all of mankind. We had a land and we had intimacy with God. We lost the land and we lost intimacy with God. We lost the Shekinah, his presence for 2000 years. He hid his face from us. And in the end, we're restored back to our land and back to relationship with God. It's the story of mankind. We had, yeah. we had a land, Garden of Eden. Yeah. We had intimacy with God. God's walking in the cool of the day with Adam. We screwed it up. And the thing is, our salvation is not because we were somehow able to, to you know, be holy enough to be accepted by God. Right. But it, it's, it's God in the end that brings us to pass to glorify his name. And that is a... That is a little summary, Woo! you know, of, uh, of the Israel story. So, okay. Man, this is so good. <laughs> you can keep talking. Um, no, 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 it's I, good. Yeah, but so that's... I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned, I'd heard you draw that parallel with um, the Jews and Israel and being scattered and paralleling that with the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and sin being the factor of separation. And, you know, like Hebrews says that, Jesus is the last Adam. Yeshua is the last mm-hmm. Adam. And so that, that narrative is, is illustrated for us and that that same narrative is being applied to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish people. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting now, now, after I did all this, I'm going to answer your question. Okay. Do, you, do, you remember, do you remember your question? <laughs> I didn't think so, but I'm I was still, I was just walking. Younger generation than, you know, and, you know, the 75% evangelical yeah, you know, okay. young people. And now it's 34%. And yeah. what the heck is going on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, th- think about it. You know, if this is the place where God is going to work in such a way that nations are going to know that he's the Lord, you got to figure there's going to be pushback on that. And and this is what we're seeing, I believe, in the spiritual realm today. Uh, you know, and, and this has, you know, you can look at, for instance, the current war. And, and I could go into all of that and the dynamics of that and why a lot of what's being pr- presented in media is really biased against Israel and, Propaganda. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but okay. But, but. But even that, you know, that that whole issue aside, you know, what what we see taking place, and this this is really interesting, this dynamic. I mentioned this to you before we even went on air, that you know, there there is this mentality today. You you see it in in society in in many, many ways. You see it in those that have embraced um, you know, a lot of the gender issues, uh, et cetera. Um, and and but along with that that whole mentality and, and it is also a mentality that whatever we want to do it's okay you know i mean you know if if i want to say i'm this and and whether i am or not then that's what i am and i want this relationship whether it's right or wrong that's okay and you know that that lostness that this world is in what you will find is that the people that are beginning to to think that way you'll find that israel's viewed very negatively yeah. and that's why i say this goes back to Anti-Semitism, really, at its root, is a hatred of God. Um, not because, again, the Jews are such a holy people, but because 
God is telling his story through this people. He, he has a purpose and he's using the Jewish people for that purpose. And so the powers that want to destroy people's lives are obviously pushing against that reality. And, and it's critically important that the church understands this because the church has blown this over the last 2000 years. Uh, I don't know if you know very much of that history, but very interesting, you know, over the, for most of the last 2000 years, Jews have been treated better by Muslims than, than they were by uh, professing Christians. Yeah, sad, uh, and reality, yeah. This is a tragic history, um, but it, it's one we need to learn from and not repeat now. And so it's critically important that this message comes out. I have this whole thing, I won't read them to you now, but I mean, these quotes that come from, you know, early church fathers and yeah. up, up, in, up until the Reformation and quotes of Martin Luther and so on, you said you were Lutheran, so you're yeah. guilty as well. No, no, really. yeah. no, I, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, 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 seriously, but no, I proxy, but really, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. See, don't agree with me unless you, you listen closely to what I'm yeah. saying, because I, you know, I must, might be laying a trap, yeah. but, but anyway, um, uh, these quotes are incredible uh, if you if you understand. And so uh, not only did, did Christians reject Jews throughout history, mm -hmm. uh, but they became persecutors, you know, of Jews, you know, and, and this is the Crusades and the Inquisition and uh, and even the Holocaust, you know, singing Christmas carols as they were walking the Jews, you know, into the ovens in the concentration camps. And and so that's a history that Jewish people know. Uh, and and it creates a major stumbling block to Jews even considering that Jesus Yeshua could be our Messiah. It's so important for the church to understand this. Um, and God has called the church really to be vessels of mercy uh, to the Jewish people. Uh, and and in many ways, the church has failed. Um, you know, in that uh, in that calling. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, John. I I'm really drawing a blank because I haven't read this. I feel like there is somewhere. I think it's in the New Testament that God's favor towards those who believe in his son will provoke the Jews to jealousy to like, am I, am I off base on that? It's Romans 11. It, okay, no, it's yeah. Romans 11. And, and Paul said even that he wanted, it's weird, you know, but it, Paul was saying there that basically that he, one of the reasons that it was so important to him that, you know, he, because he was called, you know, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles was that he'd make his own people jealous uh the jewish people jealous and save some so yeah that's that that's also wrong romans 11 that's it's good to digest that because there's so much there to understand god's plan and purpose for the jewish people yeah i feel that way about romans just period it's such a dense yeah, for book sure. in the bible you know um yeah what is the contemporary jewish understanding of ezekiel what was that ezekiel 36 that you read what is the contemporary understanding of that do they look at that and go oh, well that was like i can't remember when this you know ezekiel uh you know the book took place in terms of like the the babylonian captivity did they look at that like oh that was like the babylonian captivity how what is the contemporary jewish interpretation of that? Well, well you have to understand <laughs> Two Jews through opinions, the three opinions. So yeah, I mean, that's, I've heard that, there, there yeah. is no, you know, I mean, how do the Jews look at that? Well, 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 you know, probably seventy-five percent of them don't believe in it, you know, or, or you know, aren't religious at all. And so mm -hmm. they're, they're. I don't think I could exactly answer that question because yeah. they certainly, they certainly don't look at this restoration 
uh, to God, I'm talking about religious Jews as coming to faith in Yeshua. I mean, you know, where he's going to wash us, you know, uh, clean from our sins and he's going to put his spirit within us and so on and so forth. They, if you're religious, you would view that as you're, you're going to become Torah observant again. You know, you're going to keep the law of Moses and so on. So, I mean, within religious Jews, I'm sure that they, they would view it that way. Yeah. So is it one thing that I kind of want to hit on is why, why we should, and you've already been kind of talking about this, um, not kind of, you have been talking about this, why it's important for us as Christians to stand with Israel as a nation, the Jewish people. I think that here's the thing. I kind of want to like bring in this side of it because you say that and people go, well, how could you say that? Because they're war criminals and they're, you know, colonizers and all of these things. And, and a lot of times it's those types of people are just reciting talking points that have been, yeah, I guess spun. And then, you know, they're, they send their way and then they just regurgitate them to you. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, I don't know. I even quite know how I want to ask this question, but I think saying you are in support of a nation doesn't excuse any atrocities they may have done. And I'm not saying that Israel has done any atrocities. I'm trying to be super sensitive here. I, I think, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like people are like, well, how could you support well, the, the, people? Absolutely demand- understand yeah, okay. what you're saying. I mean, no, I mean, you know, and, and where is God in this? And right. uh, again, yeah. especially if you, I mean, we could, we could take apart these various narratives, which we don't have time to do. And, and, and again, I think Chris, you said, did that in your interview with him. So you talked about some of those things. I mean, it's sort of ridiculous to call an indigenous people colonizers, know. Uh, you, you know, and so <laughs> this is the Jews land. There's never been another nation state where Israel is, by the way. I mean, never, there's never been a Palestinian state. There's never been any other kind of nations. First kingdom of Israel, second kingdom of Israel, and the modern nation of Israel. So you're talking about, you know, I, I mean, this would be like, you know, if if the Indians, you know, original, you know, uh, inhabitants of, of North America uh, had a certain period of uh, pl- place, you know, or a certain um, part of land in the United States and saying, well, you know, they're, they're colonizers, you know, they've taken right. away our land while all of us came from England or, or wherever else or from Europe, etc. So, so that that's not even valid. But the that, and I sort of got off there, but the, the, the point is that we need to understand that um, God is doing something there. So when we talk about supporting Israel, it doesn't mean supporting every policy. It doesn't mean that every decision, you know, of is Israeli government is correct. We need to look at it in the big picture. God's brought the, the Jewish people back to Israel. And one of the things you'll find throughout scripture is that you know, of any people that have been judged severely by God, uh, corrected, you know, and disciplined severely by God, it's the Jewish people. I mean, read the Old Testament, oh, read yeah. Deuteronomy 28. And so God is going to deal with our sins. There's no question about that. And so this is not a blank check to everything that Israel does is right. But it is a heart connection to understand yeah, really good. that God is in this story. To, you know, to me, it's, it's really interesting. And maybe, I don't know if we'll end with this or whatever, if this helps. It's very, very interesting. You know, when God uh, was about to lead the Jewish people under Joshua's leadership into the land to conquer the land. I don't know if you remember this. This was before Jericho. Okay. And he had an encounter. Uh, and this was with a divine 
being. This was Adonai Tsevaot. This is Lord of Hosts. My my, <laughs> I, I, I must. This, that, that, this must be really anointed because you know, this, so never, this never happens to me. But I'm on. I'm on it now. This is this, so okay, good. So this, yeah, this right is a punchline. Yep, and right thank you, way. Lord. You know. If you, anyway, I'm waiting for the confetti to come out of the room. So 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 he has this encounter, and he knows this is like a divine encounter. Mm-hmm. And so he says to the Lord of, you know, hosts, by the way, in Hebrew, you know, that, that word is armies. Lord of hosts is Lord of armies. Mm-hmm. That's one of Yeshua's titles. And we could get into a whole, that's another hour, you know, just talking about that aspect of who he is. Yeshua is no wimp. We need to understand he died on that cross. Yeah. That's the most powerful being. Okay. And, and I think we're about running out of time or so. Anyway, let me, let me go to this. So, yeah. so, so he, he runs this and he says to him, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? Mm-hmm. And he's and 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 the Adonite said no. I you know, and then he just says, you know, I come as the Lord of hosts. So the question is not, you know, whose side is God on? The question is who's on God's side? Come on. So really, so really what you're talking about when we're talking about standing with Israel, we're talking about standing with God, what yeah. God is doing there. That's where our heart has to connect. And and that's where you can bypass, even though you can have this other discussion where many, many things, accusations of Israel aren't true. But that's not the bottom line. The bottom line is, is not standing on those issues, though you can have that discussion. The bottom line is standing with what God is doing. Yeah. There. Wow. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, uh, John, th- we have a little bit more time because I wanted to hit on this really quick. I just want to be sensitive to your time. How are you on time? Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Well, as I told you before, I mean, you're, what is it, three o'clock there? Is it it three? Yeah. Okay, so six o'clock here. uh, And if my stomach starts rumbling, I'll let you know. Uh, You know, because, but but no, I don't know how much more time. Yeah, so I'm happy to have this conversation. Yeah, this is great. And I, (laughs) I really just wanted to ask, uh, because of the nature of that su- that substantial drop in support of Israel, seventy five percent down to thirty four, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, how do we? How do we? How do we correct that? Because obviously, what we're working against a lot of if it is, it's a multifaceted kind of attack on people, especially young people. Um, you know, you're you know, you were talking about people that are associated with those groups of you know gender and and all of that that they it, it's very common for woke, them. wokeism goes yeah, along wokeism, with wokeism for them to uh to be on the side of of uh not supporting israel so um is it just in i mean obviously you have the israel story which i mean it's like what nine hours of teaching or something something wild yeah like yeah and i will say this by the way the israel story the reason it's nine hours of teaching this this was videoed when i did it interactively so you know we'd read genesis you know 12 1 through 3 or whatever it's called abram and then I would ask you or who, you know, the, the people in this group questions and they would answer and sometimes their answers weren't right. And, but it's fine. It was great. It was that whole interaction, but that's why it takes so long, by the way, uh, this isn't going to answer your big question, but about the, the app and the Israel story. I've also felt from the Lord. I'll just say this very simply recently. Now I told you I'm 75. 
-hmm. And uh, and there's a whole thing we could get into. That's another story. Uh, we don't have time for that. But I actually, over the last couple of years, uh, walked through a dark place. I mean, just and it's a lot of parts of that. But it was like walking through the valley of the shadow of death mm -hmm. with the Lord. You know, dark night of the soul uh, uh, kind of place. And it was tremendous. Uh, it was the best two years in my life in many ways because the intimacy with God that came out of that was just amazing. Uh, and and the Lord told me, you know, that because you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can't walk around it. Uh, and, and but but his, you know, his, it's his presence with us. You know, yea, though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, fear no evil for you're with me. You learn so much there. And, and I, the only reason I mentioned that is coming out of that place. Um, I, the Lord just said, this is a new season. This is now very personal I'm talking about. So this doesn't answer your, you know, your more universal question, but for me personally. Um, and he just said, this is a new season. 75, I'm excited. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm ready to go. I, I, I told the Lord, I want to. I want to go into battle, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm ready by your side. You know, I, I just want to go into battle. I want to die with my boots on, you know, however long I'm down, yeah. here, et cetera. And, and I felt like um, I, I've been teaching the Israel story again uh, in more of this smaller setting interactively. And I really felt uh, the Lord leading me uh, to begin to declare it. The only reason I mentioned that, because you talked about 12 hours of teaching is that recently I did the first type meetings like that where it's not interactive and I'm just teaching. And that's about four hours. Um, we have MP3s of that. I don't know what we're gonna do with them. Um, but but so so that's just this just a little bit of me that I feel like this message has to be declared at this point. And there are many people that do this. You know, I mean obviously this is not about John Myers. I'm just one voice of many, many voices uh, that are declaring this message. But but I feel it's a time that that really broad brush the church needs to understand this and i yeah. think if we don't i think there's great great danger uh of us really moving out of i of agree the, the the will of god and and i'll just say this also uh jeff is that you know there are churches today and i'm not a person that's knocking the church and i just don't come from that that yeah. critical place there are things that i think could be done a lot better of but course it's not where yeah. I, it's not where i live but i know that there are many people that are sort of socially sensitive they want to present a gospel uh that uh you know will not be rejected by people that you know are very sensitive to a lot of these issues and they're unwilling to deal with them and you will find the same thing in the same way i said that people are sort of you know that are 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 very much in this whole the, the whole gender you know woke genderism yeah. et cetera, et cetera, uh -huh. that are also very anti-israel you will find on the other hand of that that the churches who are not confronting these issues are also not willing to talk about the Israel story and talk about these issues because of that same backlash. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that is something to very much be concerned about. And so the first thing we need to do is just educate because if people, if people don't understand this story, I mean, the, the fascinating thing to me, and I know we're probably running out of time, but the fascinating thing to me is you're a believer in Jesus, obviously. That means at some point in your life, you confronted or read the, the biblical narrative. I mean, you know, because there are all kinds of stories out there. There's the Muslim story, the Hindu story, the Buddhist story, the atheist story, but you read the biblical story. Well, the central characters in the biblical story, not just in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, the Jewish people, 
But what's fascinating to me is many people who base their faith and their lives on the biblical story, they don't know what, what's the Israel story. You know, where did the Jews fit in? God interacted with the Jews for 2,000 years. Then Jesus came to earth. The majority of Jews didn't believe in him. So what? where are they? I mean, where, where do they fit into the story? And it, it's just, it's so critical. And in our day, it's, it's essential, I believe, that we understand this. So the first thing is just to get this message out. Yeah. And yeah, thank I, you, by the way, for providing a, a, a little bit, you know, of a, of a venue and a platform to do that. That's oh, absolutely, right man. Absolutely. It's an honor. And I, I, I guess I want to conclude with this because you had mentioned as you were reading through Ezekiel 36, like this is what God is doing. He's, he's bringing the, the nation of Israel back to himself, the Jewish people back to himself, washing them with water, as it says, and all mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel like what we're experiencing now, the, I guess, the hatred, the increased hatred towards Israel, the anti-Semitism is an all-time high since the Holocaust, all of those things. And we saw what happened on the other side of the Holocaust, which was the nation of Israel founding again, coming back together. Right. We're seeing something very similar now. Now, obviously, everybody's praying that it doesn't get worse than it is now, but do you do you feel like what what we're seeing is actually possibly the reignite that the re the unification of the Jewish people in terms of them to the Messiah? Like, do you feel like that's well? Well, yeah, I think I follow you, but I I I think in in one way what we're seeing is the enemy's pushback to what God is doing. I mean, I don't know, you know, to me. For instance, I talked to you about this new season in my life. Well, you know how I started? <laughs> you know, I got COVID and then I got pneumonia. No, oh. no, seriously. I got I was very sick. This was like no. a, a month ago order. But yeah, no, seriously. But but point point being, and I look at things like that and I say, okay, thank you, devil, you know, for 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 basically confirming the fact that God's really doing something here. You don't like it, you know. And so yeah. so so honestly, a lot of times when we see that level of pushback, we say, okay, you know, what is it that God is doing that is so important that the enemy is so scared of this, mm -hmm. that this is how he's attacking it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, I think it is obviously, you know, part of that. And, I, and I'll end with this in one way, because there is a calling on the church and uh, I'll, I will try to make this brief, but you can right. read Ezekiel 30, you can, you can read Ezekiel 37 for yourself because it's part of the same story. You know, do you know what Ezekiel 37 is? The Valley uh, of Dry Bones. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're prophesying, yeah, okay. where he prophesies to the bones. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the evangelists love that story because, you know, they, <laughs> they will take it and allegorize it. And, okay, you know, there's valley and dry bones, and that's a dead church, or it's a backslidden believer. And the Spirit of God blows on them, and they come to light, mm -hmm. which is great. But but it's still allegory because if you read it, it says clearly this, this it's talking about the Jewish people. It's talking about the nation of Israel. And so, and so what you see in Ezekiel 37 are these two restorations. God takes the, the, and I'll tell you why this is important to the church. That So God takes the prophet in the valley. It's full of bones. They're very dry and they're scattered. Well, that that's the Jewish people, you know. I mean, we, we were scattered all over the face of the earth. Shekinah is not with us for 2,000 years. We are dry. We're, we're scattered from one another. The prophet prophesies. The bones come together. You know, the, the, the flesh is added. The skin covers it over. And you have a body. And, and But there's a problem. It says, but there's no breath in the body. Mm -hmm. So 
that the first restoration is bringing the Jewish people back to the land. So, you know, this Jew, you know, in New York City, uh, this one in Buenos Aires, this one in Sydney, Australia, these all these dry bones, you know, and this rattling comes back together. You formed a body, but the breath in Scripture speaks about the Spirit of God. That, you know, that's when, when God created man. You know, he created man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed, you know, the, this breath of life into him, and man became a living soul. So that's the Spirit of God in Scripture. Oh. So now you have the body back together, and that's what, what's happening in our day. Wow. But then God tells the prophet to prophesy again. And this time, he doesn't tell him to prophesy to the body. He says, prophesy to the breath to come from the four winds yeah. to breathe upon these slain that they may live. Well, think about wow. it. That's the reverse of Acts chapter one. You know, the gospel got to you through Jews in Jerusalem. You know, Jesus told told the Jews, you know, that, that when they said, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, you know, anyway, I won't go through all that. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know, you will receive power and you'll be witnesses to me in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's how the gospel got to you. It started in Jerusalem mm. through Jews to Judea, Samaria, and to wherever you're sitting right now. Where are you sitting? Salem, Oregon. Okay. So, okay. To, that's how it got to Salem, Oregon. Okay. Yeah. But in, so God is going to bring things full circle. And now where's the breath? It's in believers in Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I believe when Ezekiel prophesied, prophesied to the breath to come from the four winds and blow on these slain, these regathered Jews, and, you know, to bring them back to life. And so I believe it's a call in the church. Uh, yeah. And that's, that, that's also mirrored in at the end of uh, Romans chapter 11 um, when it talks about, in fact, I'm going to get it. Do it. Yeah, all right, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, do people do, do people really listen to this? No, oh, they love this, they're loving yeah, it. Like yeah. honestly, the comments yeah. are like, this is amazing. When also yeah. too, we have Anushka is, is a, a regular and she's Israeli, and so she's at a. I mean, oh. obviously a great love naturally for the Jewish people, for the nation of Israel. So I know that she's. I've seen her in the chat too. She loves it. So yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay. So so okay. This is. This whole thing in Romans 11, you know, that is God done with the Jewish people? No, he's not done with them. Then, then you're going to make them jealous. And then the olive trees. We didn't talk about the olive trees. That's, that's really important, but we won't get to that today. But that the olive trees and not being arrogant and boastful, and prideful toward these Jews who don't yet believe. And, and then, you know, all Israel is going to be saved. And then it ends with this. And, and we'll talk about who's who. For as you, this is Gentiles, were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their, Jews, disobedience. And, and what that basically means, the gospel originally went to the Jews. You know, you, Apostle Paul, where's the first place he preached? He's in the synagogue. A few Jews would believe, most of them wouldn't reject him, and then he'd go out to the Gentiles. So anyway, uh, okay, so, okay. For as you were once disobedient to God, Gentiles, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience to Jews. Even so, these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. Mm -hmm. So that's a calling on the church. This is the call, and this is what the church has blown over all these years, you know, and the church is called to be a vessel of mercy and grace and love, uh, embracing the Jewish. I told you when they started preaching the gospel to me, I didn't want to hear one word. <laughs> uh, I thought it was disgusting, you know, and, and, and you know, repugnant but but the love 
You know, you ask me what the greatest need of every human being on earth is to know we're loved by our creator. Mm -hmm. And, and that obviously is expressed through Yeshua and, and through his sacrifice for us. And so, so, but that will draw the Jewish people love them. If you got Jews around you, you know, in your neighborhood, love on them. You know, if they're celebrating Passover, hey, you know, can I can I attend your Passover center? You know, if they're building a new addition on their synagogue, go and help them. You know, but but love them. You know, genuinely. You know, not to love them. You know, for five minutes and then and then try to get them saved. You yeah, know, the next five. It, it won't work real well. But the you genuinely love them and you watch God. You know, work yeah. lives. Yeah, come on. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good advice. I also just happen to love Jewish food. <laughs> so, like, okay, you know, awesome. Man. Yeah. Have you ever been to Israel? I have. I actually went last year. Awesome. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. And it really is interesting because I went there and the way I described it um, was, I don't know how else it just, I just had this feeling all of a sudden I got there and just, I was like, it really did feel like the center of the world. Like, it I don't is. know. How, and it's just this tiny little country the size of New, New Jersey, you know, but it yeah. just, there's been so much contention over this land, over the, the centuries. And, and um, it just, it really felt like it was the center of the world. Like I didn't, I, I had no other way of describing it other than that. Um, yeah. And I think it is, you know, the, I, you know, you know who Joel Rosenberg is. I don't know if uh-uh. you've ever heard of him, but I, okay. But I, anyway, he he wrote a book I think called The Epicenter, and that it is. I, I think it was Yonki Cho um, was talking about mm-hmm. coming into the presence of the Lord at one point, and um, and he's from Korea, right? This I'm going back. Yonki, I'm, um, sure. I'm not he was sure. A, I'm not sure. Was it Yonki Cho? Okay. Anyway, but yeah. but he was talking. And I might not have the right guy. So if I if I get it, the story is going to be right, but the guy might be wrong. Okay, but yeah, he's whoever, South Korean. Pastor, South Korean. That's what yeah. I meant. What did I say? What did you, I you say? Said, you said South Korean. Okay, I South, just okay. I did a quick Google search on him and I confirmed that was. Thank you. Okay, yeah. so so and pastor of a big church there, and they had prayer mountain, twenty four seven prayer and all of that. And so he said, as far as when he went to prayer, going into the presence of the Lord, hmm. immediately. When he was there and then he said you know in the united states i forget i'm not gonna get this exactly right but it was like well you know in the united states maybe 15 minutes you know i have to pray through until i break through europe you know maybe half an hour yeah. he said israel i never broke through yeah uh wow. if you understand what i'm saying i mean it's also the epicenter of spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and if you're there long enough you actually feel that i mean it's a, I it's a, it in it's a blessing actually. but it's also, Yes, actually, Jerusalem the most. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. Yep. Yeah, that was the thing I noticed right away. I was like, I just feel I, I can feel especially, you know, you have like the Christian, the Jewish, the Muslim, you know, quarters and and just the I, I when we got there, I was like, it's beautiful. I'm really loving seeing Jerusalem, but it was actually really challenging for me yeah. on a spiritual level, um, just because I, I definitely feel like intense spiritual environment so that was a real big challenge for me in jerusalem was yes it's, well that's where remember that's where our congregation was in the center of jerusalem so, well, well yeah what was interesting about that because you know I, I love to worship the lord uh and um but our worship a lot of times um was sort of almost militant praise we 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 pressed into the presence of god in praise and you could literally feel at a certain point that you've sort of broken through then then you can just 
sort of relax and love on God and yeah. and uh, and worship, you know, at His feet. Uh, but in the beginning, it was like you know pressing through, you know, yeah. really in praise. So there was uh, an interesting dynamic when we were there. Yeah, for sure. Well, John. I, I not by you know naturally because of this subject and also just the the gift of your ability to explain and teach and storytell. I have a million other questions, but we'll leave it there for now because this is this is nice a nice uh, presentation for people to digest. Um, but I honestly, John, I would love for you to actually pray for us as the church in terms of our role in regards to the Jewish people. Um, and just, you know, we talked a lot about uh, replacement th theology. We talked a lot about the areas that the church has not um, has not exemplified the love of God properly to the Jewish people. Um, and I just I would love for you to pray, pray for us, you know, listening. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Abba, we we come before you, Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, we just love you, Lord. We just we just want to love on you. And as as I spoke earlier, Lord, I, I really believe a big part of loving you is to care about the things that you care about, to love the things you love. In fact, you know, your word says that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above all his fellows because he loved righteousness and he hated iniquity. And so I believe we're called to love what you love, Lord. Uh, and even though hate's kind of a hard word, but but hate those things um, that you hate, yeah. and 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 we know, Lord, that uh, you you love the Jewish people, Lord, and uh, and we know that you're doing an amazing thing uh, in Israel today. And so it's interesting, and in in uh, in Romans 11, it talks about blindness in part has happened to Israel, and that's our blindness uh, to. Um, the Jewish people's blindness, the Yeshua being the Messiah, but it also talks about the blindness of the church, Lord, and um, that that that's a blindness to understanding your plan and purpose for the salvation of Israel. So as much as we pray, Lord, that you will remove, Lord, uh, the veil from the eyes of the Jewish people to enable us to see the face of God in Jesus, mm. we also pray that you will remove the blinders from those who are your children, Lord, believers in you, to your plan and purpose and destiny and will and love for the Jewish people. And Father, even as we talked way back in the beginning about the difference between our heads and our hearts, I pray, Lord, that this is not just going to be, oh, isn't that interesting? And then we go about our business. But I pray that you are going to open the understanding of our hearts and you will plant in the depths of our heart, your heart, and your love for the Jewish people in a way that's going to be transformative within us. And we pray that this revelation will come to the church in this, this critical hour. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. John, this was fan this was great, man. Like, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and um, just sharing. I, I, yeah, you have such a gift for... There's an anointing on your words, man. Um, so thank you. Well, well, thank you. And honestly, uh, if that's true, uh, that's all God. You know, it's, yeah. it's uh, you're you're looking at a vessel who can't do. You know, he can't tie his shoelaces uh, without <laughs> the Lord. But really, no, no, really. I mean, that's yeah. 
you know, it says his his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And yeah. so uh, let it be. So Absolutely. it's great. This is a great, you know, this is what I was hoping for. Good. Just the conversation. It's Good. not like we're performing something, but yeah, just it's two bro yeah. brothers, just two yeah. brothers talking. So yeah, thanks absolutely. for the opportunity. Absolutely. And so everybody, I would really, really, really encourage you, please go to the israelstory.org or download the app. It's fantastic. Boom. It pops up right there. You've got all of this teaching uh, and he uh, does not have his righteous beard in these videos yeah but yeah this is i well yeah. i told you i turned 70 this is my patriarchal stage of life and i just i got bored too you know when you're yeah. bald you got nothing to fool yeah. around with you know? so I, you know, I, I just anyway so that's where this it is a from. righteous beard though man i'm Thank just you. i'm digging it dude it's just nice and <laughs> nice and manicured everything but yeah please yeah. you guys check this out you'll actually see chris in there he's in the, uh, yeah. the audience sitting there uh so really good you guys just an amazing resource and you also do recommend people really just digest all of it go through just go through all the teaching don't just like yes. stop halfway through yeah and and i just say one other thing um you know i i'm not i'm not into promotion you know certainly not self-promotion or whatever mm -hmm. i don't know how many people listen to you and you know i'm not selling anything mm -hmm. but but because of this new season um you know i at one point i was traveling around north america teaching and so on and so forth i haven't done that for 10 years uh and i'm about ready to, to get on my horse again so so really if you're listening to this uh, and you want to bring this teaching to wherever you are, your community of faith or, you know, your church or whatever, uh, be in touch, uh, you know, and and do that. Uh, this thing, um, you know, at the Israel Story, you can just write to, to jm uh, at the israelstory.org. That's my personal email. So I'll probably get a lot of hate mail if you have any haters out there. <laughs> I, hope, I hope not. I, I shouldn't really. That's really dumb to give my personal yeah. email, but I don't care. No, uh, but, okay. but seriously, this is a new season and like yeah. i i'm not trying to use elijah streams to promote me no no no. but it's, it's all good man but but i would say that um that if you want to bring this message uh to where you are just be in touch because this thing is about to this plane is about to take off and chris who you've mentioned if people have to listen to that chris and i have talked about doing this together uh you know jew and gentile number one mm -hmm. old and i don't know if he considers himself young but i do he, you know i mean you know, He's, yeah, he's younger than you, I think. Anyway, no, he's not he's, actually. He's older than me. Oh, he's not. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, that's yeah. really <laughs> no, but but anyway, yeah, young and old, but but really to to bring this message, he's much more in the social media world and and just you know whatever that space is, and so to take these this biblical understanding, but also to express it in a language of today, you know, and especially to the younger generation. So we're talking about, about doing that. So who knows what will come out of this? Oh, dude, I can't I'm wait to see it. that. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Well, man, I'm excited. I mean, I mean, it's, I'm excited about this new season you're in and, um, you know, in any way that we can come alongside you and especially if you and Chris do something together, um, man, it's, it's, it's exciting times. And and if I can advertise your show, I think tomorrow you talk to Chris's wife. Is that what you thought? I do. Yes. Uh, is it right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah. So, we've got Justice, Justice, uh, Justice, and Low Keel. Keel at this point. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. she's a tremendous, tre yeah. tremendous woman of God. So that'll be a yeah. great show. I want to watch that one. Yeah. So we're going to be talking <laughs> about her new book, everybody, feminist to feminine. 
Um, my, I, I listened to the book. It's fantastic. But this is my wife's going to read this. There's a breakdown. So yeah, it's going to be a great time tomorrow, you guys. And I'm really looking forward to that. But John, thank you so much, man. You're super generous with your time. I want to let you go eat some food before your stomach gets thank too you. rumbly. So yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. Look, it was great talking to you, Jeff. This has Ab- been wonderful. So Absolutely. Blessings. Blessings yeah. on you. Thank you. Thank you. So everybody, that's okay. our show. Have a blessed Tuesday. Tune in tomorrow. Wednesday, we got Justice and Lokeel on at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We love you guys, and we'll see you then. Okay, This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today. 